This is a recap episode of Umoya on African Spirituality. The whole concept of the show is about reigniting and understanding African spirituality in the 21st century. We seek to walk this journey with young and elderly people alike where we become a nexus whereby Singabandu we can inquire together. We've identified people from different fields to talk about how spirituality feeds into their daily lives, be they musicians, healers, teachers, scientists, artists and activists. In this excerpt, Zoya shares her journey with finding her voice. While she grew up knowing that she had a talent for the stage and public speaking, it was while she was working in a corporate environment that she began to notice that her voice was being stifled. It was the brave decision to leave her corporate job that she was able to recognize the power of her voice and the work she had to do in helping others find their voice. Can we just go back a little bit to your childhood growing up in East London um, and talk about your voice? Mm. Your company is called Zoya Speaks. Let's talk about this voice. Mm. Before we hear what... Zoya says, can we unpack how Zoya got her voice? I remember you as somebody who was always a year older than me, who just had this voice of reason, not voice of reason in an argument, but just a general, very powerful presence when Mm. you spoke. Mm. You enunciated your words very clearly. Your power came very much through your voice, which is why you were good in debating, um, good in public speaking. I had no idea what Toastmasters was. And um, yeah, when did you meet this voice? When did you realize, okay, there's something in in this tool that I have and how have you then used that tool throughout your life to land here where your company is literally called Zoya Speaks? One thing I know to be true about about me as I show up in the world is I'm probably more comfortable standing on a platform than I am sitting in the audience for starters. <laughs> um, so I've always kind of been the person who's in the school plays and the rest of it, right? My mother encouraged all of this and I did this. So from a young age, I mean, I've got pictures of me. Um, I mean, even when I got a, a role as like a flower, I was the flower that spoke in the play. You know what I mean? Um, when all the other flowers couldn't speak, the Zoya flower was the one who got the speaking part. Um, and so over the years, I've always kind of just been doing the stuff where I'm standing up on platforms, I'm speaking and it's doing something. Um, I remember in Sub B, grade two, I was in a play called The Peddler of Swafim. And I was this little black girl with huge eyes. And again, I was amongst the few who had a speaking part. And afterward, I, I couldn't get over how I literally grew like a fan base. <laughs> like, like of like all these white mothers and all these kids from like prep school. And I, I couldn't reconcile in my head why I had just said a few lines in a play. So why the fan base? <laughs> And years after this, like it followed me, like it haunted me actually at some point because they would ask me to repeat the line from the play. Do you remember the line? Um, it was it was something, 
keep your eyes peeled for the something, something, something. <laughs> anyway, um, but but right up until grade standard two, right up until like end of primary school, and I thought this is ridiculous now because this was sub B. But over the years, kind of this was this was the thread um, that was weaving itself through Ubomba. It took me going into corporate and and almost losing my voice. In fact, not even almost. It took me losing my voice in corporate, being in a space where I knew in Dukuba I'm not supposed to be here, but staying there because this is what people do. And and losing my self-confidence, losing my self-esteem, losing my sense of purpose in the world, not having a sense of where I was going or whether I was making any contribution. I was that person in corporate who, if I sat in a meeting and there was something of value I had to say, I would raise my hand as and then I would, as, no, no, as if, as if I wanted to contribute, but secretly hoped that no one would see me. Hmm. I would, I would sweat. I would sweat under my arms. I would sweat. I would, I would, I would shake. Um, because that space just kind of was not where I was supposed to be. And in the corporate space, I lost all ability to raise my voice. I didn't contribute, nothing. I just stopped Having come from a childhood oh, where yes. that's what you were oh, doing. Yes. Oh, yes. Over the years, it was whittled down. And it was whittled down by things like I used, to, I used to engage with people a lot. My energy comes from doing work with people. And they'd say to me, if you're done with your work, don't go and talk to people. You need to sit behind your desk and you need to play games on the computer if need be. Um, And it was things like that, things that were not natural to who I was. And so who I was was constantly being stifled until who I was didn't even have a voice, until I was what everybody else in that space was. And people in that space didn't have a voice. People in that space weren't individuals. And that was when I was like, no man, this is not how life should be. Something is just not right. Incidentally, Balikani, my husband, had met me shortly after I arrived in Goli. And he says when he met me, he was like, this woman is fire. <laughs> he describes me as fire, as a fire energy. I'm crackling. Mm. <laughs> and, and he says that when he noticed something was wrong, he kind of stepped in. And, and, and one of the sort of turning points was this man having a conversation with me and in the conversation saying to me, look, I can't actually do this with you anymore. And I can't tell you a reason why, except that you've just lost your fire. And I knew what he was talking about. Mm. I was like, oh, I, I hear you. And after that, I was like, I will do whatever it takes to get my fire back. And mm. that's when I was like, I am quitting. I'm leaving this thing. Um, and I slowly had to find or rediscover who I was. In rediscovering who I was, I was awakened to the power of my voice. I'd never known that this voice was the power. I'd never known. I kind of was just doing the things that I was doing, and I was doing well in these things, and I was just doing it. But I'd never known what this thing was or or, or the power it had until I lost it completely. I faded into something I was not. I lost the essence of who I was. And in rediscovering who I was, that's the first thing that connected me to me. When I stood up to speak, when I finally freed my voice and I was like, okay, there's power, there's something here. Why, why, why do lives change when you open your mouth to speak, when in corporate you were quiet and you felt like there was no purpose, there was no meaning to this life thing. And so it wasn't a, a discovery when I was young. When I was younger, I was just being me. Mm. This is just who I was. 
until who I was wasn't good enough for whomever and I tried to fit into that concept of what looked like or what should be good enough and I realized I can Something's missing for, for who the me is in all of this. And then I, I stand up, I start speaking again and all of a sudden things fall into place and I'm like, I'm oh, man. This is the thing. This is what it is. In the work I do now, I, I, I help people. To listen to the longer, original episode of this conversation, visit kayafm.co.za forward slash umoya. Umoya on African Spirituality is a Kaya FM podcast created and produced by Milisu Tandopongela and Atambile Masola. Our team includes editors Pamandla Yende, KG Shabangu, executive producer Ngabagazi Manzi, and project manager Ridume Tempole. Our theme song is Tuli Mama by Tabang Dabane. Get in touch with us on umoya at kayafm.co.za for any questions, comments, or queries. Otherwise, follow Kaya FM on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Where my mom, where my mom?